Let's give it up for our first time guest today. If it's your first time, we want to clap it up for you and welcome you to Highlight Church. Happy uh, 2nd of July. I guess it's a holiday around here. A lot of people are, aren't here, but we are here together, and, and that's all that matters. And the Lord is here, and he's going to speak to your hearts. And uh, today's going to be good. Today's going to be fun. We have a big bouncy house outside. There are no age limits on the bouncy house. It is a weight limit, so that eliminates a boo. He makes it into a third sermon, three weeks in a row, a boo. Yeah, man, um, like, I, like I said, welcome to Highlight Church. Um, we got some food ready outside for you, and uh, hopefully you stick with us after service. It's going to be good. I'm going to try to behave. It's 1028. I want to be done by... 2.30 p.m. or so. Um, no, I want to be done by about 11.05 so we can get out early and, and get some ice cream and, and have some fun just being in each other's presence. Uh, let's pick up here Ephesians 1, verse 4. We're in a series entitled Chosen. Repeat this after me. Here we go. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's do it again, and then we're going to celebrate. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Come on, let's clap it up. God loves you, and um, he's working all things together for your good this morning. Hey, we're going to read Ephesians 4. We're in a series entitled Chosen, and uh, Ephesians 1 verse 4 is our anchor verse for the entire summer. Um, but we're studying through the book verse by verse, and uh, I'm trying to cover as much as I possibly can and, and teach through. I mean, the Bible is just a lot, and so we gotta, we got to dig into it and pull out the principles and the truths and then seek to apply these things to our lives. And so today, uh, I got a, a message I want to bring to you entitled, A Gift for Growth. A Gift for Growth. So if you're taking notes, that's your title. And uh, Ephesians 4, we're going to do 11 through 16. Uh, if you notice last week, how many people like the online experience? Were you able to make it just a show of hands? That's great. Was that pretty cool? It was an, emerg it was an, an emergency. Uh, the, the electricity was out at the school. We got news of it uh, Friday, Friday around noon. And so we really didn't have enough time to find a second location. Redland Middle School, the school we met in May, it was already taken up. And they offered us Magruder, but the setup um, was going to be tough to pull off. And uh, I couldn't get over there in time enough to look at it. So we said, hey, let's just use Facebook Live and Let's broadcast it. I'll behave for about 30 minutes and give a teaching. And I think it was pretty successful. Um, concerning where we're going long term, we will be online one day. We will have video. And, uh, you know, you never know what God is doing. So when, when things don't go the way that you want them to go and, and God says, hey, I need you to make a left turn. You thought you're going to make a right. You got to trust God. You got to make the best out of it. And he'll work it together. But um, it was great online experience, and we're back home. Let's go here, verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11, and it reads this. 
Now, these are the gifts. If you can see that or if you have your Bible, these are the gifts. I want you to underline. If you don't have any notes or whatever, underline gifts, highlight it, mark it in your mind. Christ gave to the church the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. So I need you to underline, mark, or remember um, gifts and pastor. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Pastor. Remember that. So if your birthday comes around or Christmas, I am your gift. If you consider me your pastor, I am your gift. If I'm too sorry to text you or I forget to put something on your Facebook page, just know that I am your gift. So, yes. All right. And it says here, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I want to stop there for a second. Let's bring up our chosen um, slide so that we can focus and, and not read ahead. We're going to cover the rest of those verses. But um, just want to stop here. Um, Christ gave gifts to the church. So Jesus was born of a virgin, lived 33 years, perfect life, sinless life for you and I. He died, and on the third day, he got up from the grave. And uh, he, he stayed in his resurrected form on the earth for 40 days. <clears throat> and uh, he ascended unto heaven. He ascended unto heaven, and then he released the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There were 120 followers of Jesus in a room, and they were praying, and the Holy Spirit descended upon them, and made, the Holy Spirit made his home in their hearts. When the Holy Spirit came, he gifted believers with spiritual gifts. So every person in this room that's a Christian, you have a spiritual gift or gifts. You may not operate in them all the time. You may not be serving in a local church right now with your gift, but you have a gift. And we're going to talk about later how that gift was given to you to sow so that other lives may be changed and so that your brothers and sisters in Christ may grow in the Lord. So Sundays is kind of like the, the starting point. But to actually be involved is where you start to walk out your faith and you begin to grow in Christ. To, we're going to talk about that. One thing he did was when, when certain people received the Holy Spirit, they received, I wouldn't say an extra ounce of his spirit, but a different gifting, apostleship. So an apostle is someone who is sent by Jesus to areas where the gospel or the good news of Jesus is not known or where it's not flourishing. So there can be a city where there are churches, but there is a such thing as dead churches. Um, they've plateaued. They're not growing. Nothing's happening. They're not serving their city. So an apostle will go to a city, start something new. So they're an ambassador. Then he said that Christ gave, gave uh, prophets. Prophets are messengers of God. They're inspired by God, and they deliver a word. They foretell a word, um, and they're sent to the church to minister to the church. Then he goes on to say evangelist. An evangelist is uh, evangel evangelon in the Greek, and it means a bringer of good news. So Paul, 
he, uh, right now he's writing this letter in prison. I need you to stick with me, and I understand we're the, we're the technology uh, 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 generation, and, and we get everything speedy and, and quick, but I need you to stick with me to, to, this morning. I almost said tonight because it's dark in here. It's going to be good. Um, an evangelist is a bringer of good news. And so Paul was an apostle. He was also a prophet. He was also an evangelist. But he was also a pastor. He spent three years in Ephesus. Paul is the author of the book of Ephesians. And he's writing from a prison cell right now. And he's currently in prison because of his testimony about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this. God never promised that once you became a believer that things would be easy. It's easier to go back to your past. But if you would continue to press into the Lord, you'll see the power of God in your hard times. Don't retract. Don't get lax. Don't become passive. Remain passionate about the things of God. Remain passionate about your relationship with Jesus and watch God move in some powerful ways. Watch him move. So Paul is chained to a prison guard right now writing about the gifts of Christ to the church, the body of Christ. And so he became a pastor. He spent three years in Ephesus. I'm going to tell you later on in Acts 19 how every day for two years he taught the truth of God's word for every day. There was no July 4th for Paul. There was no Christmas Eve for Paul. There was no Thanksgiving. His, his July, his Christmas, his Thanksgiving was sitting with people, building them up in the Lord, seeing them be set free, seeing their dreams come true. And he stood his position and he did not move and he served faithfully. So a pastor, the gift is God raises people up, a pastor to handle in totality a flock. So you can start something as an apostle. You can be a bringer of good news to a person as an evangelist, and you can be a bringer of a message of God as a prophet, but a pastor has to stay put and handle the totality of a church and, and, and make sure certain systems and leaders are set in place to, to help people with their issues and to help them grow in the Lord. And then a teacher is someone who just has the gift of sitting back here and just expositing and, and teaching word by word the word of God. And the Bible says that they are all gifts by Christ to the body of believers. And so uh, God uh, called me to be a pastor um, about four years ago when I was 26. And so I want to tell you something about church. There are two departments. There's the equipping department and there's the ministry department. When I accepted my call as a pastor, I left the ministry department and I entered into the equipping department. It wasn't a promotion. It was just a shift. And so now God has called people like pastors to equip. A lot of us were raised to believe that it was the pastor's job to go to the hospital um, or to do everyone's wedding or to bless everyone's kid, in which at a certain point you should. But as a pastor, my primary call is to equip you, the church, the minister, to do the work of the body. So I train, I equip um, Every Tuesday, I'm with our, our directional team, and I've invited certain people into that circle from time after time, and I cast vision, and I say, this is what 
we need to do on Sunday. This is how small groups should look. This is what I see around Christmas time, around Easter. I cast vision and I train. This is how we should pray for people and, and treat people and love on people. So I'm equipping our leaders to actually do the ministry. This is what Paul is saying. And we're going to go back to the verse. Go back to the verse. It says here, verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do God's work and build up the church. Build up the church. Um, let me, I, I also want to come against this because I believe that this is a church, a small church mindset. You know, a lot of us go to churches, especially startups or smaller churches like this, um, and some people have a hard time staying at small churches um, and to, to see them grow and to see them mature because we won't look like this all the time. Come on now. We're, we're going we're gonna to blow this room up one day. Um, a lot of people have a hard time sticking with churches in seasons like this because they feel as though, hey, the church is small. I should be best friends with the pastor. And if I'm not best friends with the pastor, what's the point of being there? But according to Scripture, that's unbiblical because your pastor isn't God. But you can find so much value and power and community and love and support with the person that's sitting right next to you on your row. Because if that person has the spirit of God, they're just as anointed, just as called, just as powerful as the guy with the microphone on the stage. So as a pastor, I'm called to equip. I'm nobody's God. And as a matter of fact, the day I become your God, please exit this church. Because I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail me. You're not going to understand why are we doing this as a church. But I need you to trust God and trust the leadership that he's put over your life, and then tap into the, the power and the richness of the community that he's provided, okay? All right, so I just kind of wanted to get that out of the way, and uh, I want to pull out three points because I don't have a lot of time. A gift for growth. Point number one, God wants you to grow to be the best you. Grow to be the best you in the context of of ministry. Um, has this Ephesian series helped anyone? Show of hands, kind of going through a book, taking our time. Stick around. Um, we got a series starting in early September called The Winner's Circle. I am stoked. We're going to five weeks about how to win in every area of your life. Um, I've been working on this sucker already because I already know what I'm preaching next week, right? I just got to study it for a few hours and prepare it, but I've been working on it. Then we got a series sometime um, uh, next year. Uh, it's it, it's going to be a series about trailblazers and pioneers on how to start new things. God is calling you to start. I'm about to preach it right now. God has called you to start something new in your city and in your family. It's called Blazing and Amazing. Going to do blazing and amazing. That's what it's going to be called. But right now we got to study. Look, look, look. I should Y'all love it. Y'all love it. But I'm, I'm going to preach the Bible. No T.D. Jakes this morning. Here we go. Grow to be the best you. Verse by verse. Ephesians 4.13. This will continue. I love it. He says, this will continue until we come to such uni unity in our faith 
and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So equipping will continue. No, Judah is currently potty training. He's two and a half years old, and he's matriculated so fast, right? It's, it's exciting. Um, and I mean, just within like four or five days' time, man, he's went from diapers to, to no diapers, and he's telling us when he has to do a number one, and uh, a number two is a bit scary for him. He, he clenches onto you a bit tighter, and we're like, it's okay. He's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, it's okay, baby. Just, just do it. Just do it. And I've n- never seen a human actually do it, but, you know, when you're a parent, you got to stay there. Hey, man, take off your religious face. This is a real church. We, we talk about poop and all that stuff, pee and all of it in here. You know, and his brother is eight. Uh, it'd be weird if they were potty training at the same time, unless he was sick or he had a disability. So don't leave the church because I'm not making a joke about anyone, but it would be weird if he were potty training at the age of eight and his brother's potty training at the age of two. One of the issues you find in the church is that people that have been believers in Christ for five years are still in a season, are still in a season of potty training. That They should be the ones that you actually go to for prayer and, and for guidance. And, hey, look, Joe, there's a name that we always use. Hey, Joe, you know, I don't understand Ephesians 11 uh, through 13. Can you explain this to me? I know know you've been a follower of Jesus for like 20 years. And Joe's like, all right, Joe, you're not the right person. Because you're still eating milk. You're still drinking on milk. Hebrews says that we should move on from the elementary teachings of salvation and and repentance and we should go on to the more mature things one thing you have to understand um, faith in Jesus was your first step it was your first step and you signed a contract for growth you signed a contract to grow up in him not not to be a member of a church not, you didn't sign up to be baptized and say, I've made it. You didn't sign up to be saved and forgiven for your sin and wait on your blessed assurance to die and to go to heaven. You signed up for second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly growth in Christ. That's what you signed up for. And, 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 and so God, Paul is saying this, like and this, the training, the equipping, the challenging will continue to happen until we come in, in the unity of our faith, of the knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You know, Christ was the greatest man to ever live. Are you growing in your greatness? In every area, are you great on your job? Are you great in the home? Do you still worry about the same things that you were worrying about 18 years ago when you gave your life to Jesus? Has he not shown his faithfulness? At at a certain point as an adult, I don't worry about can I walk? I'm walking. I started walking 28, 29 years ago. A lot of people are still worried about the same things because they haven't grown in their faith. 
chances are you haven't, if you haven't grown in your faith, it means you have not grown in your praise. Because when God does a miracle and you praise him for it, in essence, you're saying that this is something that I never have to worry about again because you've already did it once and you're going to be faithful again. And so spiritually in John 3, it says that you're born again. Nicodemus um, was a Pharisee. I mean, he knew the Bible like the back of his hand. And he came to Jesus, who was this street rabbi, this kind of raw guy who knew, knew the Bible better than him, but hadn't been to formal school, which is crazy. And he said, um, hey, like, how do you find salvation? And Jesus said that you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, how do I, here's weird. So I wasn't weird. Nicodemus is weird. And this is in your Bible. How do I re-enter my mother's womb? And how does that happen? And Jesus is like, no, man, what are you talking about? Get out of here. That's ridiculous. He said, no, when you give your heart to me, you are spiritually born again. In Corinthians, Paul says you become a new creation. So when you give your heart to Jesus, you become a spiritual infant. And you, you, the goal is, is growth. The, the goal is, is, is growth. You know, I got a desire to plant a tree. Anyone ever planted a tree in here? Show of hands. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anyone more specifically an apple tree? Great. Good. Um, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. I have a desire to plant a tree one day because I want my kids and my grandkids to um, go back to it and, and my great-grandkids. And I want them to know that granddad planted this tree. This is a place where he prayed for God's growth in his life. There's a guy in, in First Chronicles, his name is, is Jabez. And Jabez, he, you know, you get this entire lineage of names and Jabez just pops out of nowhere he gets about two verses and he prays, Lord, expand my territory. Use me. Bless me. I want my kids to know that I went to that tree and I prayed for expansion and spiritual growth and physical growth in my life. I want it to be a pillar of faith and stability. Um, and one day, one day, and what, what I've come to find out, they say dwarf apple trees. I want it to be an apple tree. Um, they grow to five or seven feet tall. And it, they say that it takes two years for the tree to fully mature. No fruit, just the tree. It takes about a year for the roots to be established. It takes about another year for the shoot and the stem and the branches and the leaves to start growing. And then it takes an additional one to two years until you see the apple. It, it takes time from the time it's, it's planted until it actually grows into full maturity. This is what I want to encourage you with. Growth can happen in your walk with God. Maximum growth can happen, but you have to be planted. Prosperity can happen in your walk, in your soul, in your health in your relationships, in your finances, in your leadership, yeah. in, in, your, in your freedom. Prosper you can prosper in every area of your life, but you have to be planted. You can bear fruit, but you have to be rooted. 
more specifically in the context of a local church. That's the context of this verse. And what we do when we only come on Sundays is we root and we uproot. We root and we uproot. We root and we uproot. And this is what our life looks like when we root and we uproot. We, we want to go, th- but th- this is what happens when your heart is not in the house. Because you, you can physically be here, but your heart not be here. What you do is you root and you uproot. And, I gotta, and, and so now you're living for a Friday. You're living for Saturday. You're going to go to church on Sunday to get your booze. And then because your heart's not there, you're going to root and uproot. And God is like, I, 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 want, I, I want to but I can't because what I prescribed in my word, you, will, you won't get planted. My, my will is for you to mature. But I need your heart and I need you to be present and I need you to get in a small group and I need you to serve. And, and I, I, I really need this so I can do these things in your life. It's maturity. It, it's at a certain point as a studier of the word, yeah, I became a Christian, but just, just reading the word wasn't enough. I wanted to know the Greek. I wanted to know the Hebrew. I wanted to know, like, how could Paul heal and how could Jesus heal? Man, I, I want to pray for people one day, and I want, I want God to use me in that way. But unless I get rooted, God can't. I'm so busy, stuck in my own sin and my own crap that God can't even get me rooted enough to bear fruit in someone else's life. You have to grow from being a sinner, from being saved, so that God can send you somewhere. And he wants to do that. He wants to do that. He wants to do that. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Oh, the joys. There's a group that God has called you to be with. And he says this, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the river bank. Just constant water. You're rooted in the word. You're rooted in community. You're, the spirit of God is flowing, bearing fruit in each season. You have seasonal fruit, success, prosperity, inner joy, inner peace that God has has set aside. The word season means established time for your life. But when you're not rooted, you can't bear that fruit. And so he says this, their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do because they're planted amongst the people in the local church that God has called them to be planted. They don't detach Monday through Thursday. They're planted. They're, they're maturing. And so as a pastor, I've been called to set up environments. And so you need a place to grow. When you give your heart to Jesus here at Highlight Church, we encourage you to go through the first steps class so you can learn what prayer is and why the word of God is, is vital. Baptism should be one of your first steps after you get saved. 
And then in Super Steps 2, we tell you our story of faith. Uh, Super Steps 1, the the assimilation to to become a a volunteer and a a superhero here. Uh, We tell you our story of faith and what true life in Jesus Christ is. It's salvation in Jesus is to grow in God's purpose. And and it's to be used by God. We've created environments for you to grow. Sundays is just the intro. But but be planted. Don't don't try a church one time, whether you're here or not. I I care, but I, I love you. I frankly don't care if you're here. I just want you to be somewhere. Don't try a church one time. Do the three-strike rule. Try it three Sundays in a row. Pray to God. And by that time, the Lord should speak to you. And if that's not your church, keep it moving. If it is, don't wait to take that next step. Don't just continue to be an attender. Get, get planted. Get planted. Get planted. God, Paul, not God and Paul, saying get planted. Um, God wants you to grow in truth. Ephesians 4 14 through 15 says this, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with a lie so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So you you won't be tossed I like some versions of this. It says you won't be tossed to and fro. Every, in some versions of this scripture says every wind of doctrine. Because in our society, there are so many different opinions. And there are so many subjective truths. Meaning, this person has this opinion. Oh my God, CNN just told the truth. Well, Fox has an opposite opinion. So, who's truth? What, 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 what's truth? Oh, you, you ought to go down this route. You're going to find fulfillment. Oh, no, don't, don't. Do, you know what? Don't do that anymore. The culture is doing this. Go down this route and you'll be fulfilled. Hey, go, go and, and get money. Money, money will fulfill you. I was in Starbucks uh, yesterday and just having a conversation with a guy, young man. And he said, man, I'm all about the money. I just want to make, I'm in school right now and I'm all about the money. I said, schools, I'm thinking school's great, but don't always get you the money. I did four years of it. I had the wrong degree. School's awesome, but it doesn't guarantee the money. And I'm, my heart is going out for this young man because the Bible says that many have turned from the faith to follow the money, and then they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows because everything they needed was in Jesus. They pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Man, I just, ugh. And, and so in Ephesus, they had the temple of Artemis. Artemis was a, a goddess, a fallen angel, a demon, have you. And um, she was believed to have the power of childbirth and to heal diseases or to bring diseases upon people. And so you would bring your money to Artemis. You would go and, and, and worship and devote your life to Artemis. You would go to this temple where God seemingly sends Paul to. So she reigns in the area of Ephesus. So if Artemis is the source of all blessing, why in the world did God send Paul to Ephesus? 
because there was something about this situation for centuries that lacked truth. And so God sends the truth. He sends Paul. Paul's on it. Paul goes to three continents with the truth. And so he says this in Acts chapter 19. This is what happens. Acts 19, 8 through 12. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. Uh, At this point, we were not called Christians. It was called the way. I'll explain that here in a minute. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held, here it is, daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years. He said, I'm going to get this truth in your heart. Because your life, your pursuit, your approach, a lot of it has been founded and based upon the lies of the devil. And God has called me to stand here for two years every day. Not, no Christmas. There ain't no Christmas. My Christmas is preaching. There ain't no fourth. There ain't no barbecues. Some bouncy houses outside. But my call <laughs> is to preach the truth into your heart. And until I see this city free, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. That was Paul's call. That was Paul's call. That's our call as a church. And he says this, so that people throughout the province of Asia, the entire province for two years. I was talking to my team Tuesday night about how it's time to start thinking in seasons. We can't think in Sundays. There are some Sundays this sucker is packed out. If we think in Sundays, we'd be discouraged, but we got to think in seasons. We're sowing right now, and God is going to send more people. But he thought in seasons for two years, and eventually the entire province, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people. Who's the healer of diseases? It's not Artemis, because there are still sick people in Ephesus. They were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. Now, why in the world would God have to send Paul if this city already had a God? Let me bring it down. Why in the world do you need truth? When, when, when the enemy has already convinced most of us that the truth for your life is to pursue money, is to pursue business, is to pursue relationships, is to pursue people, is to pursue network. Why in the world would you need the truth of Jesus Christ if those things were the only things you needed? Because that is a lie. And so Paul believed He preached and he lived out the truth. And because of it, others experienced life transformation when they believed the truth that he believed in. They were changed forever. And Jesus told him, John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh Uh-oh, it's supposed to be John 14, 6 probably. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
Simply put, Jesus is true. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what you were raised to believe in. Jesus is true. He lived. He's a real man. He died on a cross for you. He rose after three days. He stayed around for a month and a half. He went back home to be with the Father. All for you. He is true. And so the word way in the Greek is hodos. So Paul says in certain translations, every wind of doctrine, every path of teaching, every opinion, because different opinions can send you different ways. So Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said, I am the way. Hodos means I am the journey. So a lot of people are looking for a way. A way is not a path. The way is not a path. The way is a person. And that person is Christ. And then he says, I am the truth. The Greek word there is aletheia. The translation is reality. So if you're not following my way, you're not living in God's reality for your life. The reality, the truth. And so as a pastor, we've set up environments for you to grow in the reality of God's will for your life. Light groups. Psalm 1 started with community. He said, oh, the joys of those that don't walk in the way of sinners are in the way of mockers. So you, have, you may have a group of about two or three men. You may have a group of about 10 men. These two or three men are the men that God has called you to. These 10 men are the men that God is trying to bring you from because he knows the fruit that you're going to bear in these relationships versus five years, the fruit that you're going to bear in this one. These are going to be regretful. These are going to be blessed. He wants you to grow in truth. And the more you play (laughs) with lies, Number three, so in order to grow. Is this good? It doesn't feel good, but I have to. It doesn't, but I have to because the word of God wants you to grow. This is how I was taught. This is what got me thinking on Tuesday and Wednesday. Where, where am I? Am I growing in truth? Am I accepting the lie that I'm not good enough, that God doesn't love me, that is that the truth? God loves me. He has a plan. I need to grow in that. Here it is. Verse 16 says this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You have a work to do. Kyra has a work to do that helps Jennifer grow. Jen has a work to do in the local church that helps Kyra grow. The goal is healthy because healthy things grow and that this place would be a place full of love. No matter your background that you would find love here. But if you are a believer and you have the spirit of God, you should be sowing into your local church beyond just coming. Because there's something that if you don't sow, 
you're preventing your brother or sister from growing in. And there's something that if they don't sow and become involved, they're preventing you from your growth. So an invitation is the first step. But you got to eventually take that next step. And, uh, you know, our moving team has been uh, sowing faithfully. We got those pictures over there. I'm going to close here in about three minutes. This first one is, I can't see, Chris creating with Judah in 2015. This was like uh, October of 2015. We were in Florida, Altamont, sowing his time. And as you can see, his strength. (laughs) And um, also that people knew that a new church was coming to the area. Um, as one of my favorite photos, this is Kyra. She's organizing our organization. Um, this is when we at first got our 501c3 nonprofit, all that stuff done, putting our ministry booklet together, uh, getting it all in order, sowing her time and, and her, her expertise. Cause man, I suck at organization. This was Becca and Megan's first visit together in Florida. November 2015, we didn't know who this girl in the flowery dress was. She just came from North Dakota and showed love, and we showed her love back. She saw an Instagram post that said Gaithersburg, Maryland, and she wanted to become a part of what God was doing. And uh, Megan had made the decision to join us after her initial answer was a no. She came back to the truth. Um, This is a team meeting. In February 2016, as you can see back in those days, Megan and Becca were on computer screens. We were meeting, talking over the vision, praying for people that we didn't know so that we could create a house where people could find life change. We were talking about high vision, one of our our codes there. And this was our entire group um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. We were at an inside elevation They had a church conference there because none of us had ever started anything like this before, and we were going to learn. And uh, we were having a blast. And these were people sowing their time, their money, and their talents, all to create a place so that people could find life change, so that marriages can be restored, so that kids could find a home to learn about Jesus. Um, I would say everyone in that picture has sown up until this point thousands of dollars into this process. And today they still wake up 7 a.m., 6 a.m. every Sunday. They're leading your light groups. They're at lead team meetings on Tuesdays. It's opened up the opportunity for more than 40 superheroes at Highlight Church to now step into that process so that others would receive life, life change. I don't take this, this menial. We're eight months old, and we're going to take territory for the kingdom of God. What what could it look like in eight years when there are thousands of people across many different locations, and you, you know that you sowed in the early days when you could count the people on four or five hands? They sowed. All of this has produced life change, growth, and fulfillment. Now, they'll tell you this has been the hardest thing they've ever done. 
but it's been the most fulfilling thing they've ever done because it's God's prescription. And so as a church, I'm going to close us out. We express participation over membership. You'll never hear anyone say, I'm a member of Highlight Church. They'll say, I I participate. You don't go to the library and look at the books and get smarter. You study them. You don't go to the gym and sit on the bench and, hey, man, I'm going to get healthy by watching this person. (laughs) You pick up those weights. You do the things you need to do. God is calling you to sow in order to grow. And so we've created a place. Get involved. Some of you have been attending this church for months. It's time for you. We have super steps next Sunday. Step number one, become a superhero. Um, Get involved. Use your gifts so that the church and the city can be built up. Um, Invest. It's time for some of you to pray about your finances. And you can't go to a church long enough and God not begin to talk to you about that area of your life. So it's time for you to invest thousands of dollars from that moving team. And now we have other superheroes who are giving, keeping this thing going. And uh, because of it, people are going to go to heaven. And, And think about your personal story. Had a church like this not been here, where would your marriage be? Where would your life be? Where'd your faith be? Based upon that, because Artemis didn't work, take that next step. Take that next step. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning, and uh, (laughs) thank you, Lord, for the gift of spiritual leadership. Thank you, God, that you haven't called us to an easy road but you've called us to purpose, to eternal impact. You've called us to grow in your love and in your grace. And God, I am praying that you would meet each person in this room this week during their prayer time. And that, God, you would guide us in the areas where you're calling us to grow in our faith. Jesus, we love you. Amen.